but nature strip. He's a force of nature today. That's his fourth grip length in front. Can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying. Yes, there's history. But this is a blitz. It's a weak blitz. Two in a row. And she joins the all-time greats of the turf. Winks as well. G'day there, Muggs. It's Moz here coming to you this week with a very, very special guest appearance. We've got Ryan Wiggins here on the line, champion Brisbane and Queensland jockey. Moz sat down and asked the hard-hitting questions. Enjoy the listen. Cheers again, we go. Muggs out there, the at Muggs fear. That's just a little tongue twister we throw in, mate. I'll get you to see if you can say that. But we've got a very special guest today. We've got the champ himself, Mr. Wigo, Ryan Wiggins. Say hello to the mugs out there, mate. Hey, boys. What's going on? Not a whole lot, mate. This is our next hour, talking to you and picking your brain. So, guys, this is, uh, this is exciting because the man himself, uh, Bubba Tilly, actually knocked you off on the provisional leaderboard during the week. So, it's all right. We'll get into him in a minute, mate. But you, you seem to be absolutely flying right now since the season started. This is my journalistic background that I just made up myself mate okay. but 11 wins uh 30 percent strike rate in the provisionals of course a couple in town there as well i guess uh you've come out flying this season is that is it something that i guess jockeys it's probably hard because you get obviously opportunities um you know with relationships that you build but do you have a bit of a i want this amount of winners i want to ride here here and here or or how do you sort of map out a year in advance um yeah, to be honest, it's, I've had a good start this season. Like I said, I think about 13 for the first couple of weeks or something like that, 13 winners and a couple of winners in town, which is good. But I did have this, this season. Last season, I took it pretty steady, to be honest, and we hit Corona yeah. anyway, so it got a bit quiet yeah. anyway. But last season, I, I, did, I did take a little bit of a break. Like, you know, I wasn't going everywhere as much as I probably could and stuff like that because the season before, I rode everywhere and everywhere. And I wrote up, I think I wrote 104 winners for the season. And then after that, oh, you know, my wife said, oh, you're cooked. <laughs> she goes, you're cooked. You're like, yeah. you've got your hundred and please take it easy this season. You know, Cause I, I do struggle a fair bit with my weight. So it's, it's a hard to maintain that whole season without having too many holidays and too many suspensions. But um, I did have a, a quiet season, which was good for me. And at the start of the season this year, I said, oh, I'll try and attack that hundred winners again this season. And look, I'm, I'm a bit of a gypsy. I'll, I'll go anywhere for a winner, you know, like whether it's in town on Saturday or the Gold Coast on Saturday, it doesn't really bother me. As long as the weights are right and the, yeah. the, the winners are there, I'm better off doing that than I'm not sort of one of these jockeys trying to chase a premiership or, or anything like that I, because of my weight sort of situation. So I'll just go wherever the winners are. And I like travelling up north, as you know, and, and getting up there yes. once or twice a week and, and getting some winners. I'm tied up with some good trainers up there, which makes life a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, I like, love being at home too and riding winners in town too. That's it, mate. Well, King of Brisbane, King of North Queensland as well. Well, I was going <laughs> to talk about that. the King of Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, uh, I had to give up the throne quite a while ago, mate, as I get older as well. But you, did, you did mention the travel, and I'll jump the gun a bit here because I did want to just sort of, I don't know, ask, I guess, the dynamics, the logistics of how you make it work. Mm. So this was a couple of weeks back. We had Saturday the 15th, you're at Eagle Farm, uh, Tuesday mm. up at Mackay. Wednesday back mm. to Ipswich, so you must have had a friggin' good ride to be able to go to Ipswich on any day, let alone... It did it once, at once. Yeah. Um, Thursday <laughs> yeah. back up Hands, and then Saturday back down at Doombin. So I guess for for those that aren't in Queensland, um, just Google... That's a long way. Townsville to Mackay, let alone <laughs> Brisbane to Mackay. So what... I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly, yeah. I, I fly most of the time everywhere, but that, uh, yeah. that week I did fly because I was going. So I went town, had Sunday here... 
Monday off, Tuesday I flew to Mackay up and back in one day. No, I stayed, I stayed Tuesday night because you can't get back because of the flights at the moment with the situation with the corona yeah. and that sort of thing. There's not as many flights. So I flew back Wednesday morning. I knew my race was, I think it was the last race at Ipswich. I won on Wowsers for Chris Munts. Yep. And then the next day I had to go back up to Cairns, fly up and back in one day. You can fly up and back in one day to Cairns. Um, they have a lot of flights going up there because of tourists and that sort of stuff. Yep. But um, rode two winners for Jarrow Wheelow, back home. I think I had, did, I, did you say I rode the Friday or did I have the Friday off? Uh, so you, I gave you the Friday off, mate. So off, yeah, Friday. I did have the Friday off. And then Saturday I back in town on a, Saturday and I rode a winner in town. So it was a good week. But as a rule, um, just say, for instance, Tuesday, Mackay, and then, or not so much Cairns. So, say Tuesday, Mackay, and just say Rockhampton's on a Thursday or something. I stay at my mates, um, and I'm not riding on the Wednesday, or there's not the really rides I want to be coming back for because it's a bit of a shit fight going back and forth, and it knocks you around a bit. Um, I'll stay at Ash- Ashley Butler's house yep. on the Tuesday night, and we'll, I'll drive up with him to, my, uh, to, to Rocky or to Mackay on the Thursday. He lives in Rocky, so he'd be driving to Mackay on a Thursday riding and then I'd fly back from there so it'd pretty much be a three-day trip sort of situation but um yeah the wife's not big on that so I, I try and stay home as much as I can yeah. um but yeah flying up and back and that was a busy week like you know that was like the second week of the season sort of thing and but you've got to do what you got to do I think I rode about six or seven winners for the week so it was definitely worth it yeah so she'll uh, she'll happily take a, a night out for dinner nice dinner mate when you're riding winners yeah I've, that's why I've got a weight problem because I'm always taking her out for dinner all the time <laughs> I'm sure she says that but she's probably at home watching Kardashians and lighting all the candles anyway so that, that's exactly what she's doing um, well, look on the. I guess that's that's a bit of fun then with uh, with Ash there with the road trips. You two go back a bit, fair bit, or just meet through the game. Yeah, me and Ash. Ash, Ash was apprentice in uh, uh, in Brisbane, yep. um, with Johnny Ma, and yeah, and I think he was with Steve O'Day for a while when I was um, stable rider for Steve O'Day. So yeah, I know Ashley well, and, and even Aiden hold up that way. So. Yeah, Ashley and his wife Heidi there, they all, they look after me. I'm, I pretty much stay there once every couple of weeks for the night. So, um, but yeah, I, I go back a long way with Ash and our road trips are a bit of fun anyway. We're plenty of plenty of bad singing and that sort of stuff. But um, uh, who's DJ? It's, it's, <laughs> who's what? Oh, he, I'm the DJ, but he's a good yep. singer. <laughs> and then you can share the load here and there. Yeah. Well, with uh, I guess as you said, you sort of got track work and, and whatnot in between. Then is that is that a mm. you know, and every couple of days, or is it just when you're in Brisbane based, you put your hand up? Like, what is? Mm. What is well, I've, I've had I've had a busy couple of last three weeks. You know what I mean? So yeah. I've kind of been on and off, and I I only write a bit of work for Christy Munson, Robert Heathcote at the moment, and. Yep. If um, Garnet Taylor wants me to go to the Sunshine Coast, I, I try and skip up there and ride work for him and Stewie. And I'm a bit tied up with uh, Dave Van Dyke at the moment. So you try and get up there and, and, and ride for them sort of guys. You get a lot more rides sort of thing. But um, it's usually only Tuesdays and Saturdays at the moment. And sometimes on Tuesdays I can't go because I have to fly to Mackay. They have a lot of these um, North meetings on Tuesdays now. So... Um, I can't have to skip a Tuesday and I might be just going on a Saturday sort of thing. But look, it doesn't affect my rides that much it's it's a bit of a funny place Queensland uh track work wise back in I'd say seven or eight years ago if you weren't riding work five or six days a week you couldn't get a ride yeah but yeah when I first moved to Queensland and I'm from oh I'm from Canberra originally but I was in Sydney for a long time you had to ride work to get rides and when I first moved up here I was like where are all the jockeys like 10 years ago like there wasn't staff to get seen it was our leading jockey Jimmy Byrne Glenn Collis Michael Carl I'd never seen him at the track ever not once Yep. You know, like two or three years, but that, then the dynamic changes and, and 
and now the jockeys ride a lot more work these days and that sort of thing. So yeah, it does change. But yeah, at the moment I'm I'm at about one one or two days a week at the moment, and then obviously trying to fit trials in somewhere along the line too on a Tuesday if I can. Yep, wouldn't have it any other way. I'm sure. Yeah, mate, you touched on uh, Canberra growing up. Yeah. So the other the other half of the mug, he's the idiot, but he's a Raiders fan. Does that make you a Raiders fan at heart as well? I'm definitely not a Raiders fan. Skip <laughs> <laughs> over that. Bit. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm a rooster through and through. I have been oh, since I was a little kid. My mum's a rooster, so but so yeah, me and my dad have a fair bit of banter. Actually, my dad and his brother about the Raiders. So um, it was good to beat him in the grand final a couple of years ago. Anyway, they they cop it every week. Yeah, mate. We uh, I still hear the six again from the sideline. Six again. <laughs> we actually were down. Hashtag there. hashtag six again was the best forever for, yeah, for a long time. I might have to edit mm. this part out before I show the uh, <laughs> the script back. <laughs> Uh, well, Matt, I guess that's what you're, you're a bit of a footy fan, I guess, with the Roosters. Is that sort mm. of outlet from, from racing as well? Because I'd imagine, you know, as you said, if you track work, you know, you're doing your form yourself, talking to trainers, owners and whatnot, it'd be pretty mm. consuming as a 24-7. Is that sort of an outlet for you? Yeah, 100%. I love sports. I'm a massive boxing fan and a massive yeah. rugby league fan. So really I try and... Too. That, would have been, that would have been awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was good to go, but it was a bad result. I've been a bit of a Horn, horn yeah. fan for a long time. And um, yeah, he, he, I think he's going to bow out now, which is probably a better result for him. But it's good to see someone like Tim Zoo come through and, and, and take the reins. Like, and, and he's probably got... And because he's got a bit of youth on his side too, he might be able to take it somewhere. But um. Yeah. I follow Australian boxing a fair bit and I had a few mates in it and that sort of thing, which has been good. But yeah, rugby league's definitely a, a thing. I, I generally don't miss many games. Um, I love having a bet on it. We don't get to bet that much. So that's my sort of outlet for having a bet. I've got to stay away from the horses, obviously. And, and I love betting on the football and yeah, the there's a lot more options. Uh, uh, yeah, same game, multis and stuff well. like that. So yeah, I love it. I love it. It's 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 really good, actually. And and I for, I don't know how, for how many years of like, Remember the first first try scorer and stuff like that used to come out. I used to love that sort of thing and that, but kind of steer away from a bit now. I think the the corporate bookies are a little bit onto that these days. So, um, but um, yeah, I love footy and love having a bet and like I said, love following the roosters as well. Yep, beautiful. So your old man, he's a he's a horse trainer. Along yeah, with- he was. He's only just retired. Yep. Yeah, and he was a, um he was a jockey before that. So I was growing up sort of well, following my dad around at the races. So I, guess- I was probably. I guess you probably figured if I'm if I'm going to be riding horses for him, I might as well come a jockey and get paid for it too. Hey? Yeah, exactly. So he he was a jockey, and and then obviously when I was a bit younger, be, oh a bit older, he he become a trainer and that sort of thing. So I was always around the stables and that sort of thing, and yep. and all my family have got anything to do with it. But my mum loves horse racing, even though she's had nothing to do with it. Yep. And um, yeah, it's 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 been good. Like it it was a it was a good heads up for me. You know what I mean? Especially having someone. Uh, like my dad that could teach me how to ride and stuff like that. Like a lot of these kids coming through these days, you'll ask them, say, oh, where'd you learn how to ride? And they say, oh, I started at the stables. I just randomly went and seen a trainer and, you know, jumped on a horse sort of thing. And I kind of had a bit of a leg up. And you'll find that most of the jockeys around around my area now have had a leg up sort of along the line. And, and, um, and they just had a head start. Like, I, you know, I could do things when I was an apprentice that a lot of apprentices couldn't do now sort of thing. And it takes them a long time to, to find their rhythm and it's just having balance and stuff like that. And yeah, like I said, I had a good teacher. So it was a, definitely a big legs up for me. Yep. And uh, I guess from, from that stage to then starting a jockey career, what's, mm. what's the approach? I mean, 
obviously you probably, as you said, had the leg up because you just do have that interest in knowing who's who, I guess, down in mm. Canberra and then into Sydney. But is that is that probably the hardest part is just, hey, give me a chance. We'll build the relationship mm. from there. And, and obviously rides will sort of come if you you put the work in or is it a bit of a the right place, right time? You, you hit it big. Uh- yeah, you've got to you've got to have some sort of ability. You know what I mean. I think oh, trainers yeah. see that through that these days. Um, but now with the the claiming system they have now, where they give kids four kilo, like we never had four kilo claim when you first start off, and it's a very good initiative. And they probably should have a lot more winners with a four kilo claim before they lose the four to give apprentices a go. Like you, you'll see trainers go, oh, I'll put this kid on. You'll take four kilos off its back. He might have only had ten rides and rode a winner or two, but. Yeah. I'm willing to take that risk and let my horse carry 58 instead of 62 sort of thing. So it, it does help the kids a lot, but um, you know, I'm not saying right place at the right time, but you got to just not make mistakes early on if you can avoid it. And yep. we're all pretty, <laughs> you can imagine jockeys early days were cheeky buggers, you know what I mean? Fucking hard to put up with and that sort of thing. And, and even these days, like I worked my ass up when I was a kid. Like you don't understand. I was like seven days a week. Like I'd have one day off every three weeks or something. My boss worked me to the bone. But now when I work hard, I don't feel like I'm working hard. Where the kids these days like, oh, you can't let them ride at night meetings and then go to track work the next day. And I'm, there's all these sort of rules. And it does soften them up a little bit, but it does protect them at the same time. So, but yeah, it's, like I said, ability is a big thing. Um, obviously weight too, like most of us start with pretty, pretty lightish. I was, I was 43 kilos when I had my first ride and, and now to be like a sort of class as like a heavier, heavier jockey is, is, is hard. But a lot of those kids that were that light when they were younger actually end up being heavy on later on. And the kids that were like 50 or 51 or 52, when they first start off, they're still riding 52 now, 10, 15 years later. So it all depends what your body shape is. Like my dad had to retired because of weight at the age of 27 and, and him and my uncle were probably the best jockeys in, in our area in that era. So um, yeah, weight's a big thing and ability is a big thing, but you're just working hard. Like it's hard to get kids to work hard these days, but um, yeah. and, and having a good, and having a good boss too. Like I said, I had a good leg up with my dad um, sending a kid to a trainer that's never ridden a horse before rather than sending a horse, your, your apprentice to uh, someone like uh, your Ronnie Quinton's or or your Brian Smith up here that you know are very good horsemen and they can teach you a fair bit. Yep. So that does help you for sure. Yep. Speaking of weight, mate, uh, you touched on it off the air, but we will uh, we'll spoil it for everyone listening at home. Fifty eight, mm-hmm. sort of that that target weight for you most days. Um, Sixty, I guess, is is your normal. What's mm. the extremities, I guess, well, leading up to a particular day? Do you, do you have to change anything about your lifestyle or are you pretty on top of, oh, yeah. if I stick with this, you know, it'll look after me more or less with your weight. And I guess your training as well outside of that, you know, with your, your gym and the extra work that you mm. have to do to, to keep at that level. Does it, does it get to that point motivation-wise where it gets a bit tough? Or are you oh, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. Like I said to you earlier, like it's, to keep that whole, like I said, I want to go for a whole season this season and ride as many winners as I can. It's, I know that I have to um, put my energy in certain places and, and probably not try and ride too light all the time. Yeah. Um, and then when you know you're burnt out, you, you know you need to have like that two or three days off and just do whatever you need to do and, and just reset sort of thing. Because as you know, trading every day and then racing on top and then trials and then traveling, even if you're flying on a plane and stuff like that, it, it, it just kills you. you yeah. yeah, you're cooked. And, and I used to see, I used to see a, um, 
he was a boxing therapist, what they call a boxing therapist. He used to travel around Glenn and he, he was the best. And he used to travel around with um, boxers when they used to go to the Olympics. Cause yeah. it's very hard. The same thing training. That's all they do. They, well, all they do is they train for one fight. And then once the training's over, it's hard to get them motivated to get their weight off and, and train again and train for another fight. So yeah. he was a motivator and he was really good for me for a long time. And, and a lot of things that he, he taught me that I still use these days, like, um, like I said, probably once every three months, going off air no no social media like people wouldn't even know but like for three days and 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 pretty much no phone calls and even if it's just going camping for three days with my daughter or something like it's so easy to reset yourself if you put the right steps in 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 place um but it's it's so hard to keep going all year mate like i'd I'd love to be an actual lightweight don't get me wrong i'd I'd have a thousand rides a a year and all that sort of thing but yeah you got to manage your time and like i said i i walk around 60 if, if I eat and drink whatever I want, 60, 61, but then watching it, like being a little bit healthy and exercise is 58. And then obviously from 58 back down to 55, I have to sort of wasting and, and, you know, going for walks with the sweat gear on and that sort of thing. So, but if I'm around 58, I, I know that I can get down to 55 within two, two days. Yep. So it's obvious. It's, there's obviously a lot of steps in, in progress that you have to get down to, to Saturday's weight. But the thing about going up North too helps because it stops that, like on a Tuesday, just say I didn't go up north on a Tuesday. Then I ride Saturday, Sunday, and then I got Monday, Tuesday off, and it just gives you that your body that extra twenty four hours to put yeah. too much weight on and that sort of thing. So it does help going up north for sure. Yep, I guess is are you in a position now too where you can be a little bit more choosy with you mm. know, just taking a ride for fifty five for the sake of it? Is it more of a yeah? Well, this is going to push me to a limit that I probably don't want to go to for that particular yeah. ability. Um, yeah. You, they know I, 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 yeah 100% and, tra- and I think trainers know too like you know you get a lot of yeah. trainers that are like yeah but and they'll know that I'm riding a horse, certain horse light they'll know that you know I think the horse can like I think I rode um, I rode 54 and a half uh, um, say two months ago when I won an inquiry when he won the spear chief just yep. horses like that like you know these sort of horses can win and it's definitely worth it and look it takes like a week or two weeks to get your body down to that sort of weight but it's definitely worth it in the end but um, for your question, it's, yeah, it's, I'm a bit picky and choosy now. I'm at that age now, like I'm 38 and, you know, I've kind of done it right for myself and I've got a little bit of a name for myself. So like I said, I'm not out there chasing premierships or anything like that. It's just more like you pick and choose where you won't see me, you know, well, if you do see me <laughs> going to the Gold Coast or Sunny Coast <laughs> on a weekend, I've got 454s or uh, 455s on one day and four and then none of them are any good. That's, you know, yeah. I'm chasing money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's not ideal. I'm more of into the strike rate and, and looking after my body sort of thing. And, and at the end of the day, you're, you're probably better off being at home. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like you'll go to the races that day and you might pull the pin halfway through the day because you, your body can't handle it and you'll upset the trainers. And it's just a roll on effect. It's probably not worth taking the rides in the first place. Well, that's it. I guess, you know, as you sort of said, reputation is probably a massive thing as a jockey now mm. as well. So if, if you're reliable at 58, there's no hesitations. But if, you know, you push the limit, you know, that's where it can detriment, I guess. So and, generally, and, ge- and generally when I say that I'm going to do something, I'll do it. I won't just say it for the sake of it and then just go, oh, I'll just get off the horse. You know what I mean? It's yeah. generally, um, it's been harder the last couple of months because of Corona. We're just coming back with the weights dropping down, but, and I've struggled a bit. And I think a lot of people have struggled, to be honest. Even the, the normal lightweight jockeys like walk around, oh, I'm walking around 56 kilos. Like I'd kill to walk around 56, yeah. but it, it is hard for them. They're still doing the same thing to get down to 54. And they're probably 
on the lighter side too that they haven't got much weight to lose. So it, it's all a roll-on effect from uh, coronavirus, to be honest. But like I said, when, when I say I'm going to do it, I generally try and stick. And yes, I hope that I've got a little bit of a name for like if I say I'm going to do something, I'll, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Ticked on. All right, I'm looking out. I'm writing that down. 55 kilo horses, absolute load up. Just get on. Just get yeah, on. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, do you have uh, do you have a lot of mates? I guess that that ride down in Victoria that you you keep in touch with here and there. Like, how are they sort of coping? Um, not really. Just uh, we've got a jockey. Oh, obviously, no, jockeys. We, we hate them as well. Don't worry, mate. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, there's a few good jockeys there. There, don't worry about that. Um, yeah, they, they, you feel sorry for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's a, at the moment. Like, it, I'm surprised racing's still going. To be honest. Um, but like people don't realise and the public don't understand that if racing doesn't keep going, it, 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 this, to get us through this pandemic, it struggles. The government don't, people don't realise how much the government's getting out of it. Yeah. And, and the government knows, like they're giving you $1,500 a week for JobKeeper. I can bet you 90% of them people that are getting that are putting 100 or $2 that, giving it back to the government through, the, through yeah. racing or something like that. And yeah, it's just, like you said, it's just a, it's just a big ferris wheel of money like we get they give it to you and they give it back sort of thing but racing puts a lot of money into the government and government puts a bit more in to keep us going but we would never stop but like i said i'm very surprised they keep going they've done a very very good job like it's yeah. very hard like our day-to-day even in brisbane and queensland to go to the races we get our temperature checked they split us up into areas you know for a while there we couldn't fly to the races so i was physically like if we were going to rockhampton so i was driving from brisbane to rockhampton just so we weren't on a plane and and they said they couldn't stop us from going on a plane but they advised us against it like if you get corona and you go to the races and give it to everyone else it's just it's going to be a shit fight so try and avoid it as much as possible even well the reliability as well you know if you're on a plane well we're not flying we're, we're delaying it. We're doing this. We're doing that. You know, there's yeah. nothing worse, I guess. I do, I've got this I do feel sorry for those boys down there, though. Like, it's, it's, it'd be a hard time, especially with our families and that. Like, no, everyone's – I was here with lockdown with my wife when we first got locked down in Queensland. I was like, another couple of weeks. I think one day – it was actually a quite funny story. One day we were just, like, been at home for, like, two or three weeks and – and we were making the bed one night before we got the bed and she goes i fucking hate you and i just started laughing i thought it was hilarious and she started laughing it's like like imagine what some people are actually going through you know what i mean like we're lucky we're, i've got a 12 year old daughter and you know she's she's a good kid in that but you imagine having three or four rugrats and being locked up in the house and and things like that is it's a wall of situation Yep. No, I can, uh, I can hear that hundred percent. You know, I've got, got no little ones, but um, I'm pretty sure the wife's Google history would have been divorce lawyers in there. Because, <laughs> uh, it was the same. The thing. divorce rate would have went up for sure. Sure. Yep. That's it. The uh, lucky I was picking some winners. So I was able to bribe it with people <laughs> on the way of putting up with me, but yep. Oh uh, mate, look tough times, but I guess that's it. We're, we're pretty fortunate up here because you know, mm. in the, to go for yourself, go for a walk, go grab a coffee, it's a luxury now, isn't it? Like, really- yeah, we take it for granted, don't we? Yeah, mate. Uh, well, look, I just wanted to touch on, I guess, some of the the room antics as well, because I, I guess it's probably a little bit different now. But it, it's a weird one because you know, for two minutes, you guys are direct competition with one each other, so to speak. Mm. Um, which I'm sure there's plenty of chat on the horseback and bit of a mm. uh, bit of lip or a bit of passion, so to speak. And then you come back mm. in the locker room um, and I guess you've got 25 minutes to kiss and make up or be mates to the sort of race. So is that, is it, I guess, do you have your, your main lads that you, I guess, gravitate towards that you're a, a bit more relaxed. There's other guys I'm sure and girls that are 
fucking laser focused and you're like, I don't want to get yeah. that vibe. Um, is that just figuring it all out when you're in there? Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're lucky we've got a good group of jockeys up here in Queens. You know, we all have a bit of fun together and that sort of yeah. stuff. And um, look, as soon as you get on a horse, it's a bit more like, sort of everyone kind of gets in focus and like, I'm sort of supposed to have a, have a, have a laugh any time of the day. I don't really care. It, it actually, you know, some people handle pressure better than others. And I'm one of the sort of people too, that I just like, if you don't worry about it and don't care about it and just every day is normal, that, that works better for me. But a lot of people do get into focus, but and a lot of jockeys will come back in after the race and give another jockey a bomb. Like, what the fuck were you doing? Or like, yep. geez, you put me in an awkward spot there. And, like they go at it for a couple of minutes, but then within 15 minutes, they're back to normal. You know what I mean? But um, it's, it's different on group one days. You can definitely feel that. It's like anything, any, any sport, you like your grand final day or anything, everyone's a bit more, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's a bit more you know, chimed in and just leave me alone sort of thing. So <laughs> that's yeah. how they, they deal with things. But yeah, I try and stay normal, but um, yeah, we've, we've got a good group of bunch of jockeys up here at the moment, actually. Oh, I'm just trying to think. Who's the, uh, um, who's the biggest pest in the jockey room? There's always biggest pest. Biggest pest. I'd have to say really? Matthew McGilvery. Matthew McGilvery. He looks the part. Yeah, he's a he's a pest. He's a pest, and he's a good little jockey too. But I, I don't mind giving it to him because he doesn't. <laughs> him and pressure don't really get on really good. So yeah. I don't mind having a bit of banter with Matty. Um, he's a good guy, good friend. But um, yeah, he's a little bit of a pest. He can he can annoy you a little bit, and he's the sort of person who push push the limits in a race too, which is good. You yeah. know what I mean? He's he's yeah. got that competitive side about him. Um, do you, who else we got? Do you have time to? Can you talk during a race? Like, is there a bit of? Oh, obviously. Of, uh, you could you could call out to people and stuff like that. Yep. Not real panther, but more like letting someone know you're still there and that sort of thing. Like without yep. bluffing someone, but you know, at the same time too, you got to realize it's a, it's a it's a risky business, and right. you're just letting people do whatever they want to do in front of you can you know can cause you harm. You know what I mean? So. Um, not so much banter, but yeah, definitely calling out and, and letting someone know you're there or, or giving someone a spray doesn't hurt every now and then, but um, they stay out of your way. But you, you get to know certain jockeys that will allow you to do certain things and, and, and that sort yeah. of stuff. And then you'll get other jockeys that won't budge, like, you know, you, like your Jimmy Burns and your Brad Stewart's. They're like fucking hard as rocks, the bikes, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. if they, they try and sit one off the fence and no horse inside you and you're trying to shove them over the fence, they'll, they'll fight with you the whole way down the back <laughs> straight rather than just letting you in, you know what I mean? But yeah, there's a little bit of banter, but yeah, not so much talk in the race, but yeah, definitely after the race, they don't, you know, the jockeys don't mind coming in and voicing their opinions to each other, that's for sure. Um, couple of, there's been a couple of little fights here and there, but nothing bad, you know what I mean? Like yeah. anything stays close doors, that sort of stuff, but um, yeah. Oh, well, mate, just, uh, I think you rode Wowsers a couple of weeks ago, which you've got on Saturday. Um, mm. It winds up, 200 to go, just give them a bit old ass, Cass. Kiss my ass, mate. I'll see you later. <laughs> just go down pretty well. You've got to win the race, I guess. Uh, yeah. Mate, I'm going to take you back to the glory days. Yeah. 2014. That was uh, a very good year yeah. for yourself. A little horse called Famous Seamus. Group one. Yeah. Success. Um, yeah. Before we go too much in, when you win a group one race, obviously you get a, a nice little pay packet as well. How mm. quickly does that pay pack hit your account? so that you can just go out and have an absolute belt. Oh, <laughs> so probably, probably wouldn't realise this. Even yeah. even now, like, uh, so I'm pretty sure in Queensland now, it is if a race is over 50000 to the winner, which is very, like, 50000 or up to, like, a million dollars, yeah. um, it usually takes six to eight weeks to clear. 
Well, so they want they back in the day, or when I say back in the day, like fifteen years ago, they'd pay you straight away, no problems at all. Right. But what happens is they pay you, just say they pay me my percentage is ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars for a big race, obviously, and then the the swab comes back positive, you gotta give the money back. Right. <laughs> so okay. there was there must have been a bit of issue with people getting the money back off especially yeah. off owners and that sort of thing, like you yep. could just go bankrupt or whatever. I don't, know, I don't know what sort of money they're getting, you know what I mean? But from a jockey's point of view, you could probably give it back. But you imagine being an owner and getting 300000 in the bank and yep. then just fucking blowing the lot and then all of a sudden they're chasing you for the money and that's a lot of money, you know, you put someone in a lot of trouble. So okay. anything over 50000 I don't know what it's like in the other states now, but anything over 50000 definitely takes six to eight weeks, even like a, from a Rocky Cup winner to a, a Group 1 race. It's usually five to eight weeks. That The first sample has got to come back clear yep. and they'll pay you. And then uh, they obviously send the second sample away if it's a positive. Yeah, it's a neg- uh, positive, but yeah, if the first one's negative, it's pretty sweet. So that's a lot of been a lot of talk about um, alligator blood and and yep. Ryan Maloney gets a lot of people pestering like, oh, you have to give that fucking money back. I was eight hundred. Like, I think it was eight hundred thousand dollars difference. So it's like sixty thousand to him, like a lot of money. But he would never got the money. He wouldn't have even seen it. You know what I mean? They asked him for the they asked him for the trophy back. Actually, it was quite funny. But oh. <laughs> he gave it to his daughter. And I'm pretty sure he told him, "You're not getting your fucking trophy back." But um, just little things like that. But yeah, imagine yeah. chasing someone up for money. I think it just stops a lot of drama. Which I'm not against it. So yeah, well, it does. It makes a lot of sense. I guess I guess you just get quick on your maths and go. Ten percent of this much. This is my budget for the mm. tonight. And uh, <laughs> I can balance it. We generally just wait till the check clears and then you have a big night out. But yeah, we, it's it's hard not to have a big night that, that night. You know what I mean? It's, it's a big thing for a jockey to win a group one. Like people don't realize in Australia, like there's there's so many jockeys and, and, and don't get me wrong, the top 10, 15 elite, they'll make, they'll ride 10 to 50 of those their whole career. But the rest of us, we're all in the same boat. And, some of us would be lucky to even riding one. Like if you said to me 10 years ago, oh, you'll ride a group one winner, I'd say you're fucking mad. You know what I mean? I haven't even had a riding one. But the last, you know, eight years I've ridden one and I've run placings in one and had plenty of rides in them. So it's just whether that stage in your career where you're at sort of thing. But people like James McDonald, like he'll end up smashing the record of riding group one winners. I think he's up to 40 or 50 or something already. Like it's crazy. Like Great. amazing amount. Of, and he's, he's young, you know what I mean? So he's only going to go forward and, and, and have big, big, big seasons like Huey Bowman or something like that. So it is a big thing and it, and it changes your life. Um, the next couple of seasons after that, I had very good seasons. I capitalised on that, obviously, and got a chance to go and ride overseas for a year and stuff like that, which was good. Yep. So, and that, them things don't happen unless you ride grew on winners. Yeah. And I guess, you know, being Queensland-based too, you you are just limited with opportunities with that kind of thing too, aren't oh, you? Yeah. Well, we have four a uh, or a year, five a year, if that. Yeah, but as as much as you as much as you say that we're limited, which you are, and don't get me wrong, but I was probably more limited being in Sydney. Right. Um, obviously, you've got that top echelon of jockeys and all the time, and we have good jockeys here. But I think Queensland jockeys, it's more of a you see every seat. You'd know yourself every season. There's another another leading jockey or something. There's not a jockey that just dominates every year or stable that dominates every year. It's 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 based on your performance, which is good. It's good. It helps people like me or other people coming up through the ranks, like, you know, dominate and that sort of stuff. So it helps the kids come through and all that sort of stuff. And it gives you more of an opportunity. But even though we have that many group ones, you're more likely to get a riding one or win one yeah. up here than you would be unless you found a really good horse, obviously, and was in Sydney and that sort of stuff where, you know, like uh, famous Seamus, like uh, I was riding in work like the season before, like people might know, know this. I know, you know Mayfield Smith really well and, Yep. My manager has a very good rapport with him. Um, they've known each other for years and years. 
And the season before, I actually rode him work and never rode him once. Like, he come up here and had a season up here. And I think he won the Prime Minister's Cup. And I think I ended up riding him in the Stradbroke, actually, because Glenn Collis couldn't make the weight. But Glenn Collis was his rider. And, yep. you know, I just he used to go, oh, can you just come and gallop this horse Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturdays? And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll come and gallop him. Like, he's a good horse, but fuck, I'll never get on him sort of thing. But yep. if I didn't do that the season before, when he'd come up the next season, he gave me that opportunity to repay me back. So you got to take those opportunities sometimes and not be like, ah, oh, fuck him. Like, I'm not going to be riding the horse sort of thing. But so I, I, that's what I did. And that's how I actually got on the horse. Well, I guess that's it. The the hope that you might be first in line probably is a mm. motivator, isn't it? So, yeah, you just got to be in the right place at the right time. And like I said, if you're, if you're riding them work and stuff like that and helping the trainer out as, you know, as much as trainers and jockeys don't get on as much <laughs> these days, yep. um, they will repay you back some way or another. And, and that's, he was, that's, he gave me the opportunity. Like was, I think he was first up in the race and, I'm saying probably give him. No, I'm not saying give him no hope, but he was against buffering and, and them sort of horses. Yeah, and the Boom Brothers, Temple of Boom, the Boom yeah. Brothers, and, and even Red Zill. Uh, not Red Zill. Um, a good horse of uh, Gerald Wines that was going good at the time in the Red Colours in the Red Zills Colours. Can't remember the name of the horse, but um, yeah, just them sort of horses. I think Hot Snitzel, maybe that was his name. Anyway, there was like five or six horses in the race that could win, and me and another horse were like no chance. So yep. that might have been him just going, oh, I'll give Ryan a ride on him, you know, he's first up, sort of blah, blah, blah. And then he won. So it's like, oh, yep. then you, all of a sudden you're on the roller coaster. And then you say, you need your crowbar to get me off now, mate. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. so to speak. Don't worry, they got, they got me off eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I rode him all up here, but when he went back to Sydney, I never rode him in Sydney and that sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Oh, well, you take- same, same thing. Same thing if I was in Sydney. Like I said, if you just say I won on him when he won the group one and, and then he was, I think he ran in the Stradbroke after that. Like if Huey Bowman rang for the Warriors to say the trainer wouldn't go, well, well, you know, Ryan, I gave him a winner on him, blah, blah, blah. This is my chance to, to win this race. The chances of him getting you off are not slim to none, that's for sure. And there's always that chance of losing the ride no matter what. Yeah, fucking Bowman, mate. Anyway. <laughs> uh, mate, look, well, speaking of, uh, I guess, trainer-jockey relationships, even social media on that, I did want to, because I know you'll have a few, what are the most memorable sprays that A, you might have gotten, B, you might have mm. heard, or even just some, uh, I guess you're strolling through Twitter, someone's given you a spray and you've gone, fuck, that's actually not a bad little technology uh, <laughs> that they've used. Is there a few that stand out? I didn't want to read I, any tweets out just to say. No, nah, the, the tweet one, the tweet <laughs> ones are fine. They, they, like I said, I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think you can yeah. cop it. Uh, a spray off Twitter that would really annoy me, you know what I mean? Unless it come from a trainer on Twitter. Um, but I have seen some, oh, almighty sprays. I think I did cut one off. Um, I was apprenticed to Mark and Clary Connors when I went to Sydney. I did cut one off Clary one day. I won on the horse and he sprayed me after the race in the enclosure. And I was an apprentice, you know what I mean? But yep. he's like, do you have a fucking lead on one of my horses again? You'll never ride for me ever again. Cause he told me not to lead on a lead on and I won. But, um, Oh, mate, Johnny. Yeah, horses here, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Johnny, it's all right when they win. Imagine when you get beat. But John yep. O'Shea, I seen give some mega sprays when I was in Sydney. Mega. He, he's well known for it. He's calmed down a lot, John, these days. But oh, he was very vocal. I seen him pretty much pull Huey Bowman off a horse one day. I think it was a Gosford or Newcastle. And he won on the horse, too. And same thing. Wow. Like, just like you didn't ride how I want it ridden pretty much pull him off the horse and give him a spray in front of everyone. I was like, Jesus Christ, like this bloke rides group one winners for fun and he's copping a spray off John show. But I've been a little bit lucky that way. Um, Queensland, old Gollum's known to give him a good spray. He doesn't know my voice and his opinion. Robert Heathcote will give you one too. Um, 
yeah, Tony would have to take the cake up. He, he doesn't mind voicing his opinion. He, he runs a big operation, obviously, and yep. there's a lot of pressure there. And the last thing he needs is your horses to be ridden bad. So I haven't been on a real bad end one of the, uh, Tony's. I've had a couple of, couple of run-ins with Tony, but not really bad ones. But yep. I have heard him give a few bad ones out, that's for sure. Well, he looks like he can. Uh, he's built to back up his words. If you wanted to buy back, to him. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like the fighting put it that yeah, way. I think if he's giving you a spray, you just sit there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Mate, do you enjoy? Uh, do you enjoy riding for the biggest stables in Brisbane, or is there, you know, those those relationships that you build? Uh, is that more sort of your style? Is there any favourite? Um, I don't. I I was tied down to a few stables, like probably. Uh, probably. When I first moved to Queensland, I was tied up with Robert Heathcote for a couple of years and then yep. Steve O'Day for a couple of years. The thing is with being um, tied up with the stables, it can go pear-shaped pretty quick. You know, there's always going to be a time where the stables have a bad trot or this sort of thing and next minute, they, you know, they, the trainers are just doing the same thing they do all the time. So they've got to blame someone, you know what I mean? And it's obviously the jockey is the first one on, on the, spot, on the list of line. Yep. Yeah, no. <laughs> they're never wrong, just ask them. Anyway, um, yeah, and it, and it, it kind of steered me away from that a little bit the last five or six years. Like, I'd prefer to be riding for your, your Garnet Taylors or, you know, your Chrissy Munts. He's only just new. Or yeah. I love riding for Dave Van Dyke. You know what I mean? I've, 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 um, over the years, I've been on and off with Dave and just have a couple of rides here and then. He's such a good trainer and, and that sort of thing. Um, and he'll only use you if he knows that you can win on his horses. He, yeah. He's very particular what he does and that sort of stuff. But... Like I said, with Queensland, with the jockeys, it's sort of like a, uh, it's how you're riding sort of base. And when you are riding good, you do seem to be riding for a, diff- a lot of different trainers. Um, but yeah, I'd prefer to ride for the smaller trainers. I think they appreciate it more. And if you do the right thing by them as much as you can, um, it does help too. I'm not one of these sort of jockeys where just say on Saturday, I'm I'm riding, like you said, I'm riding Wowsers on Saturday and, and won its last tournament. But then... James Cummings rings and says, oh, you can ride my horse in the same race for 60% yep. of the jockeys go, fuck Chris Muntz. I'm riding James Cummings' horse just for yep. that one thrill. But I'm not that sort of person. And I think that's stuck with me a fair bit with the small trainers where they do get fucked around a bit. Like, you know, you, 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 your big jockeys will get on and take the rides. And then if they can get a better ride on the day, they will jump off. Yep. Um, and that's where a lot of blues come with trainers and jockeys. Yeah. But I'm usually one to, if I've taken the ride, and my manager knows too that we just stick solid. And it is what it is. And, and at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, like, you know, you just say, for instance, that happens. And then, you know, the jockey ride James Cummins also gets fucking beat anyway. And you never get a ride off him ever again. Or you get, they get time yeah. on it. Or my horse wins anyway. It's that sort of thing. It's yep. it's sort of out of your hands. You don't know the results at the end of the day. So I'm better off sticking with that trainer that looks after me all year round rather than that training that comes up once a year for carnival sort of thing. Yep. I'd imagine it's very much a, if you burn your bridges kind of deal too. Oh yeah. It's a hard way it to get does. <laughs> yep. Hey, they hold grudges too, trainers though. Right? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, mate. Oh, there's, there's a few people that I haven't ridden for for probably the last five years and there's probably been another four or five years till I, I, I get back there again. But it's like we call it the jock, jockey Ferris wheel. Eventually it comes around and you get another spin and that's, that's what happens. Right. You just keep pulling me. Uh, I've just grown up a bit since uh, last time. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, we you go from it. You go from you go from not talking to each other to saying hello to each other. Next minute, six months down the track, you haven't arrived for him, and it wins, yep. and then then you're in the it all happens again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fickle game. Um, yeah. I, guess, I guess on race day, then, like this is just a curiosity thing from a, a jockey's point of view too. You obviously have your your rides that you know. Do you do a lot of form, or does the trainer sort of? obviously give you some instructions or is it much a 
look, I know the horse, just let me go out and do my thing. You know, you can trust me sort of deal. Um, a lot of trainers are different. Yep. Um, I do a lot of form. I do a lot of form when I'm sweating. I, that's my thing to keep my mind off what I'm doing when I'm wasting. So I'll sit in the bath and I'll just look on my phone <laughs> and just watch replays nonstop. Yep. And I'll get to the races and see all the jockeys with their little form books that with all their stuff written down. But I'm not like that. Like I won't have that at the race. So I kind of, if I haven't known what I was going to do already, yeah. Um, you know, I should, right. you know, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, but at the end of the day, the trainer gets the last say, like, if you want to ride for these people, like there'll be, I'll go out there and the trainer will say, I'll go back on the horse today. It's got a bad gate. And I'm like, eh, it's probably not the ideal thing to do, but at the end of the day, they, they, they call the shots and you know, yeah. they're doing all the hard work behind the scenes. So, and if you want to stay on the horse, you just do the right thing. And, and you know, nine times out of 10, they can be right as well. We're not always, always, yeah. jockeys aren't always right <laughs> as much as I'd like yeah. to say we are, but, it does come with a lot of trainers are different. There's a few trainers I ride for that just go, you know what you're doing. And especially the ones up North, you know, Jared Wheelow and, and Ricky Vale and, and them sort of guys like, you know, I ride their horses and, and we'll go out, we'll go out when they call jockeys and we're out there and we'll just go out there and talk shit for 10 minutes. I'll get on the horse and they haven't told me anything because yep. they know, I, they know what I need to do. Yep. They know, well, that's why they put you on, you know, they expect something from you and they expect you to deliver what you need to do, you know, but unless they want something different or now these days with the change of um, writing, change of instructions and that sort of stuff, you have to, you have to let the stewards know, but yeah, there are some trainers that are a bit expected jockey that if we, if I put you on, that's what I expect you to do that. And you know, you know, you know, the horse or yeah. And sometimes we ride and work and that sort of stuff too. And, and that sort of thing. But um, it's been actually pretty different with Chris Munts. Um, being, he's probably the first jockey I've ridden for as a, uh, as a jockey riding for another trainer that was actually a very, very good jockey, um, which you'll find that most of the trainers were, had jockeys experience, but a lot of them haven't. Um, so like, he's, wow. so Chris, Chris is not easy to ride for. So yeah. you, if you notice, he's got his small group of jockeys and he doesn't go outside that circle. So, like and he, yeah, his his uh, his mentality, I guess, is you know how how would I have ridden this? How would I have wanted yeah. to have ridden it myself? So it'd be hard. It'd, it'd be hard for him. I've said this to him before. Like you know, like it'd be hard for him. Like you can imagine, he's putting yeah. me on a horse and you're going, you know what you need to do. And then he's kind of in the back of his mind saying, but I really want you to fucking do this. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's a very good jockey. And, he, and at the end of the day, he could probably do everything I've ever done. He could probably do better by a million yeah. times. So it's hard for him to put the reins in my hands and expect me to do the right job without him fucking saying anything about it. You know what I mean? And yep. it's taken him a long time to um, readjust from yeah. going from being a jockey, such a good jockey to a trainer where it's out of his hands a little bit. So, but yeah, you, you'll notice, you, you notice with Chris, you'll stick with his, you know, he's Larry Cassidy, Ronnie Stewart, Ryan Wiggins, I can Justin Huxtable. And if you're even inside that little circle a little bit, you, you're actually, yep. you're doing all right because he won't put anyone on these days. But um, it's been it's been it's been interesting because you know and and, and he and Chris's credit, I spoke to him today. So he he he'll ring you and and ask you questions, like you know what do you reckon about this race or what do you reckon? And he knows he's already fucking looked at the race. Yeah, Look, yeah. I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know, but he's just bouncing ideas off me and then I'm giving my input and whether he takes it or not, it's another thing. But he's trying to learn to become a trainer. You know what I mean? And, and it'd be a very hard for him thing to do. That's yeah. for sure. That's probably a little bit, you know, he, you, he just wants a confirmation for him as to why he's putting you on as well to say, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Seeing it how I want him to see it. Great. 
disseminate. Mm. Mm. Um, he's, he's probably what the one trainer that you can't just get off the horse and go, well, you know what, mate, do a fucking better ride yourself because <laughs> you know, there's no giving Chris's praise saying you couldn't fucking do any better. But it, <laughs> there has been times I've got up and I've, I've there's, there, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's saying like, you know, mate, fuck, it didn't work out. And like, this is what happened. But he can go, he can relate to that. He knows yeah. he's been in that position where other trainers are like, well, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what you were doing then. Yep. But he can relate yeah, a little bit that way. Yeah. That <laughs> he, he can relate He yep. can relate a bit that way, Chrissy. So yeah, he, he's actually doing well. And I'd tip it to be, a, it'd be a very tough game to be in the position he was in as a jockey to then to become a trainer. Yep. Oh, well, kudos. I'll, uh, I'll definitely write that one down too. Chris Munns all the time. Mate, a couple more. Um, couple more before we let you go. These are the uh, these are the fun ones. So this is a bit of a viewer's request, and the viewer okay. who. But let's just say, as a young pup yourself, you know, big industry jockeys killing it, a lot of cash, a lot of partying. We'll call him mm. maybe Brian Higgins, uh, or maybe <laughs> a, uh, another jockey that you know. If you get lucky out on the town, um, I'll make sure that your wife doesn't hear this. But are there whips in the bedrooms that you go, let's have some fun with these ones? Have you heard any hilarious stories like that over the years? All us punters think happens on a Saturday night basis. It definitely doesn't happen. <laughs> it definitely doesn't happen. Um, yeah. That when, like I said, like you were saying before, when you're young and you're making a lot of money and that thing, you think your shit doesn't, you know, it doesn't stick when you're a kid. And we've all been through that situation. There's a lot of little kids out there and they go, fuck, he's a little smart ass, but he can ride and that sort of thing. And you just get this aura of confidence when you're younger and and when you're riding winners and and that sort of thing. And yeah, it does, it does rub off. But when you get a bit older, obviously a bit wiser, it's totally different, but um, definitely no whips. And I haven't heard that one yet. No, I haven't heard anyone take anyone home saying, I want a jockey to whip me or anything like that. Nothing like that. So it's, it might be a bit of a myth, actually. All right. Well, look, if you, if you ask any of the apprentices next time we have you on, maybe you can ask us that again. <laughs> I'll ask uh, And mate, last one, I guess, I guess the big thing is uh, racing always has that bit of a corruption stigma uh, mm, mm. with it, which, you know, I think that's just the outside the racing bubble uh, assumption. Yeah. I guess going up north, do you ever have any, um, well, maybe not so much now, but in the past situations where, all right, there's not as much eyes watching, is there mm. something going to happen this race? Maybe not yourself or does that, mm. is there any, I guess, instances where, you know, oh, something's a bit of a stitch up here, let it just play out, my hands aren't involved, so that's all sort of good. Yeah, look, it, it, don't, it doesn't happen as much as people yeah. think it happens. Yeah. Like it's... There's too much money involved these days in prize money and stuff like that. And, I'll, and like I said to you before, trainers, like you do the wrong thing by trainers, they'll fucking wipe you. You know what I mean? And, and you won't get a ride from ever again. But look, it, to be honest, social media has brought racing into this massive bubble all of a sudden where people think there's always corrupt things going on. And look, don't get me wrong, there's there's obviously the Hieronymus thing and, and a couple other jockeys have been pinched for punting and stuff like that. But to be honest... It's like anything. If you if you if you went through every rugby league player's history in the last you yeah. know twenty years, or Jonathan Thurston, or something, so that you never you never missed a kick on on purpose or something like that to to get the unders in a game or something. That's uh, yeah. well, you know, it is what it is. We weren't getting fucking much money back then, you know what I mean, sort of thing. But yeah. I think now these days there's so much scrutiny and the stewards are so onto it and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
you can't do anything. They they see everything, and 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 you're you're crazy really these days to do anything. Look, don't get me wrong. There's there's going to be jockeys every year going to pinch for punting. It's 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 in our blood. I'm not saying that all jockeys punt or anything like that, but it's just one of those things. They're probably better off just making it legalizing it, and it just make it a lot easier for everyone. Like I don't like having a bet, but at the end of the day, I bet on football, so that's my in. But if yeah. if there was other jockeys that were betting still, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But that's, that's it's it's silly. There's too much. Um, everyone always asks me this. Like you, you say to someone, oh, they say, oh, like you know, pick me a winner today, and just say just say tomorrow. Say so just say you instantly ask me for a, a tip in the first race that I didn't have a ride in, and I'd go through. I'd look at the horse. I know that horse. It's fucking no good. Look at that horse. It goes all right. Look at the jockey. Don't like the jockey. Look at that trainer. Don't like the trainer. There's so much going on in your brain when you know so much about the trainers and jockeys and horses and that sort of thing. Like you can't push aside you know yeah that's an average jockey and an average trainer but the horse goes all right like eh, nah but where you would see it and go i'm worth willing willing to risk that at the right price sort of thing so from a jockey's point of view we kind of know too much and and it's it's a disadvantage rather than an advantage like i you wouldn't like all these jockeys getting done for punting and that like they they show their records and stuff like that they have like fucking hundred dollar bets or fifty dollar bets on things like I don't understand what the point is, you know what I mean? And But it's just one of those things. I, I really do think it'd be easier just to legalise it like they do in New Zealand. Um, in New Zealand, you can you can bet on your horse as long as you're riding in the race. And yep. you can bet on other horses in the race, but you're not allowed to have a ride in the race. Yeah. And you're allowed to have your phone in the, on in the jockey's room, which is a bit wild. But anyway, but it's... Um, yeah, I, I just think it stops the 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 perception of, of, of corruption. Like you, like you said, this Hieronymus thing getting three years, everyone's like, Oh, every fucking jockey punts, not every jockey punts. It's, yeah. it's stupid. You know what I mean? But he's a heavyweight jockey. Like he does get a lot of rides and he does ride a lot of winners, but he probably doesn't get as much as he should be getting because of his weight and that sort of stuff. So he might've been making money on the side with his, his cousin or whatever he was doing. You know what I mean? So look at the end of the day, it's always going to happen. And, and, and unless they change it, I don't think it'll ever change. You'll always, once a year, you'll hear one jockey getting pinched. And to be honest, I don't even know how they catch it. I don't, I don't even know how the Hieronymus thing, I don't even, I, I assume, which my mum said you should never assume, but <laughs> I assume that the corporates give you up. The corp, I think the corporate bookies don't like losing money, obviously, yeah. as you know. And if they're happy to fucking shut you down when you win them, if they know there's a certain rhythm of thing that's going on like this guy's backing Adam Hieronymus all the time blah 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 and then the next minute like my mum works for um, immigration and my mum says you can look up anyone these days like you know these people come through the airport and the first thing we do is look at their Facebook yeah you know and uh, that's wild like you, you can imagine yeah. um getting yeah. all these all these winning bets from this guy that Adam Hieronymus has ride the horses and next minute you'll google him on Facebook and he goes oh it's fucking Adam Ronis's cousin yeah. or brother or whatever, mother. Or and they just, they just put two and two together and then they investigate and that's how you get pinched. I, I assume, you know, but um, yeah, I definitely think it's the corporates not wanting to um, well, lose there. That's for sure. Big Ferris wheel that just keeps going around and around, doesn't it? Yeah. So what do you think about corporates? Ah, uh, mate, I think they, they love you when you sign up and hand over all your information yep. and yep, they, mm. they kick you to the curb pretty damn quick. So, um, mm. so even like myself, I get, and I'm not a, 
I don't see myself as a successful punter, put it that way. Like, mm. I have some winners, mm. but that's why it's mm. two mugs punting and not two pros punting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's as simple as that. I'll, I'll have a good run. And I used to bet on the AFL quite a bit, just with, you know, mm. the, the specials where it might be if you're up at half time, they'll pay you out the winner. Um, and that's just mm. me as a fan following the game that, all right, yeah. besides the underdog, but I think that they'll win. And then mm. you have a few wins and, yeah, simple as that. See you later. Good luck. Um, no, I've been in. I've been in the same boat. Like it's. It's just like I just can't grapple how punters actually still have been able to get on and that sort of stuff. They're just making it so hard these days. Because like I said, I've I've been football wise. Like I said, football was been, you know my second or number one sport. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because I watch so much of it, I must be professional or talking to uh, another football player. Or I have friends that are football players, and I've got friends that are AFL players, and and I, I've been shut down after winning. Not yeah. massive wins, but wins. And the next minute, they go, yeah, we'll pay you out, but that's, you know, that's you're done. Fair. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? It's football. Anything can happen. You know what I mean? The, the ref pretty much decides the game and, and, and they think it's corrupt, you know? So I, I'd imagine it'd be very hard for people. And I know professional punters and, they, and it, 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 they're making it very hard these days yeah. to actually get on. And my father-in-law actually used to be a bookmaker. So it's actually interesting to hear all the stories that he tells me about what it used to be like, you know, before yeah. all this sort of stuff happened. And, and bookmakers on the rails and that sort of stuff, uh, you know, they'd, they'd be putting a lot of money into racing, but at, at the same time, they're, they're keeping racing going. And now that they're all pretty much extinct, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's actually making it hard for everyone to actually get a bet on, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, it well, is. They can, you can get a bet on, but you can't win. Yeah, exactly. Until you win, that's when they don't want you. Yeah. We've even had, like, I've got friends of friends that just have connections, you know, throughout the corpse and whatnot. And that's, with racing in particular, the biggest thing that they'll flag is that if you're on better odds than what the market shapes out. So mm. for someone like me, I'll, I'll, we usually do our form on a Wednesday um, for Saturday mm. just because the odds aren't out yet. So I think you see it a little bit more clear. Um, mm. And then I might see, say, your ride comes up at 15s and I rate it. I'll get on at the 15s, comes into 10s by the Saturday. And that's the, mm. you might not win, but that's just mm. for the, the flag to go, well, there must be some sharps going on here. When it's just purely, a, yeah. I've got my method to select that horse. It's, mm. it's probably wrong more than right, but, you know, it's just a... You're, you're, you're allowed to be wrong, but they're not allowed to be wrong sort of situation. Yeah. I'll tell, tell you a funny story about what we have. A, there's a heap of group of jockeys and a good friends of mine. That we're, we're heavy into the AF, uh, NFL. Yep. We have our own fantasy and that sort of stuff. And we used to do a lot of betting on the NFL and we still do. And, um, and we used to bet on players would score a touchdown and stuff yep. like that. Anyway, one day, I can't think what corporate it was, but one of the guys obviously just, you know, like combing the, the bookmakers and that all the time, they'd put the wrong prices up. Yep. So they put a price up for a guy to score any time, but they put the price up for him to score the first touchdown. So instead of being $1.90, he was 15 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> so our 15 guys on our group... Yeah. Oh, that's their fault. Anyway, we all got on. Like, I think we could only ever get like, I think we all like had like a hundred dollars. Like I said, don't go fucking stupid because they'll see straight away. There's a lot of yeah. money coming for this. So we all just have like a hundred dollars each, then another hundred and then another. I think we all got like a hundred or 200, between 200 and 300 dollars on and yeah. it lobbed. And some of the guys got paid and other guys didn't. Oh, so that's uh, it. You know, yeah, they just make up the yeah. rules as they go along sort of thing. And, and, and at the same time, they shut you down like you've you, you pulled a rot. Well, it wasn't a rot. It was their mistake, yeah. you know. So yeah, exactly. yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the other side, the other side of punning. You know what I mean? It, it drives me crazy, you know, trying to 
get on and that sort of stuff and then you know losing the prices and that sort of stuff and even the deductions they have these days are crazy yeah oh yeah and i know uh one one particular agency <laughs> sports bet um <laughs> they'll, they'll actually they'll include the emergencies in the deductions now so really field goes up you might be on an emergency i'll put my bet on i'll still get deductions even though that runner was never going to run because it's first second third emergency and it's just a well if you want to have a bet you have to follow the rules that's you know. So yeah, well, true. Follow their rules. Yeah, oh, the thing is, the thing is these days too. I think a, a, what a lot of people I speak to is that I don't know, I feel the same. Is that the best time of year for you guys is um, when the big races come on and you can get on early. Like you've seen a horse coming up through the ranks and like, oh, get on this thing at sixty to one to win the Melbourne Cup or something like that. Like, and they're the only only time you can ever get the get the, the yeah. seems that the only time the bookies are ever getting done, you know what I mean? Is when their people are getting on a big odds and then come Melbourne cup day, they're starting $6 and you're on it at, you know, 70 to one sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Mm. And, and that's, that's what gripes me as well, because that's, that's probably the only chance you can really get, I guess your edge, but I might mm. have a hundred bucks in a Melbourne cup runner at forties. Now um, they're still going to hold my money for three months up until the, oh, yeah. So they're still ahead, and and, and and if the and if the horse gets scratched, you lose your money. Well, exactly, or three it, months before the race. <laughs> you, know, it, you can't you can't uh, you can't eat value, as they say. So mm. yeah, it's a bit bit of a cruel world, but how oh well as long so, as get a win. So what about so what about oh, I'll ask you a question about this then. What about the um? How do you feel about jump outs? Ah, uh, well, the horses are doing what the trainer wants the horse to do. Mm. That's what. That's my assumption. So I'll look for. But, but you're, do, you, do, you, do you see the jump outs? Can you, like, for, I don't know, this is me being very blindsided about yeah. this, but can, can, can you see Brisbane jump outs? So, uh, trial. I know in Victoria, yeah. I know in Victoria they, they, um, they show them. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they are available, but you obviously you have to look at them um, particular. So I'll watch some trials here and there. Um, just because mm. they, they broadcast them on Sky Racing now with the mm. sort of trials. So trial form, yeah, is sort of a grain of salt for my liking. Um, I'll look at, mm. like, if there's a good horse coming back. Um, I think, for example, one throughout the week was the move of Dolan. Mm. Dolans. Yep, yep. So they gelded that thing. Um, it absolutely bolted in a trial. And the horse that came second was hands and heels as well. And of course, it's mm. out to I think Ipswich went around at two shit race, shit race, <laughs> absolutely dicked in, you know. So, yeah. So you can, you know, sometimes I'll I'll look for that sort of pattern um, because mm. you know you see Nature Strip go around in trials every week, you know, and blitz them by fifty. Mm. Well, it's not really telling you anything, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you know what you're looking for, I, I think you could probably do well watching trials. But again. Mm. You know what? Thirty trials go around every second day. You got to yeah. try and keep up somehow. And then, and then with the jump outs, they don't have a race call, and you don't know what horses are in the jump outs and that sort of stuff. It, well, it makes it hard. And over the years, <laughs> I've heard that many stitch offs about jump. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll just change the colours. We'll yeah, we'll we'll put a different horse in and tell the the mm. that it's this thing and. Yeah, because they actually get people to. I know in uh, Brisbane because they don't show them televised jump outs. I'll get people to um, professional punters. I don't know if they're bookmakers or professional punters, but they go there and they, they watch the jump outs um, yep. live yep. and they'll take the, take the horses' brands down. 
Right. And that's how they try and put two and two together. So if your horse wins a jump out about 10 lengths, you don't even know what horse are in the jump outs, but it's just say a horse bolts in and then go, all right, we'll try and take this horse's brand down. And, and then they put it through riser and, and try and find the horse and obviously what trainer was with, with it. And obviously yeah. generally if the jockey's riding it in the jump out, they'll be riding it race day. So I think try and put two and two together, but yeah, that, it, that, it still makes it hard. I'm actually surprised in Queensland that they still do that. Like I said, yeah. in Victoria a long time ago, they knocked that on the head. I think the, it wasn't, it was, you know, hiding stuff for the punters, I, I dare say, you know what I mean? But I there's a lot of shifty stuff that goes on in jump outs for sure. You are right there. Victoria now, they, they do have to televise them all too, don't they? I think it's something. Yeah, like, yeah, they televise them and you can get them online and actually you can even get yeah. the names of the horses, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So they're just like trials. There's no difference. But like I said, in Queensland, we still have these things called jump outs and, <laughs> yeah. and you, could, you could be trial, jumping out against a group one horse and, you know, a maiden having its first jump out could be in the same trial. And run second. And the guy got lapped, it got beat 10 lengths, but it runs second to a group one winner, you know what I mean? So, and then they come out, they first starting a race and they bolt in, you know, and everyone's like, what happened there? No one's seen that. Well, it's, well, it's there to be seen if you're there to see it, you know, sort of thing. Exactly. And it, it probably comes back down to like the bookies again, just, you know, that, that's, that's what the half a percent of punters that are, that are that disciplined that take it full time. Um, you know, how, how much is their liability, honestly, on, on something like that happening? Yeah. Yeah, unless someone from Sportsbet's down there doing the same thing and going, all right, this thing looks red hot, make sure we mm. frame the market accordingly. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's not Disip- 50% of... Discipline's, discipline's a big thing in your in your game, isn't it? Discipline. Oh, yeah. I've got friends that are, and they just make you've got to be disciplined. Like, you can't, you know, they don't bet on wet tracks and, and, and don't yeah. bet on... What was it? Don't bet on wet tracks. Don't bet on... Oh, I've heard all the rules. Don't worry about that. What are, what are your rules? I know don't bet on wet tracks is no one. Uh, track, I think track bias is a big thing. A lot of people yep. don't take into consideration track bias. I'm a heavy track bias person. Yep. Well, generally... The difference between losing and winning. Uh, I find Doombin... It's, it's probably changed a little bit the last couple of months, but I've always found that if you're on pace, the only way you lose is if the horse isn't good enough. It just yep. seems like... Just because just of the dimensions of the track, and I don't know if that's a jockey yep. that you sort of... Oh, 100%. Um, 90% of your winners are drawing good gates and are in the first yeah. five horses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you know just, well, I've got 300 metres in the straight to be in a good position mm. compared to Eagle mm. Farm, which is, you know, 450. Well, mm. it's simple. I need to, need to be in a better position come the straight at Doombin than I do at Eagle Farm, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, now my rules are just pretty much keep going until I'm either... Up a, up a stack or had a heap of bits for me, mate. <laughs> so, no getting, so no getting out at Willie Pike at Western Australia every Saturday? Or? Yep. Uh, I'm getting out at <laughs> Willie Pike. Whether he gets me out or doesn't, that's... Uh, he's, in, he's in Melbourne now, so you're all in trouble. I know, mate. And the, the worst... <laughs> didn't, he, was, he won, he, didn't he win the last, yeah. week, the last race the other day in Melbourne? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he did. He won on, a, on one, of, one of the WA horses. What was it? Perfect Jewel. And yeah. this was so we were at uh, we were at the track last Saturday, and um, one of the boys he was just on. So Rubisaki was in that race. So again, a bit mm. of a bit of a hype horse, and he was just like, "This is the best thing you've ever seen, boys. Get on, get on." And I'm pretty sure we were just like, "Pike in the last ten dollars, mate. That's that's what you want." Was it ten to one? Was it? Yeah, it was. It was well over the double digits too, which just <laughs> you just bite your tongue and just go, "What could have been?" But 
Oh well, it's if it I've, was I've, I've, yeah. I've never seen a following as a jockey so much in my whole career. Like there, there's been yeah. good jockeys and they're they're followed, but mate, this I don't know if it's because Western Australia is like they pretty much start their racing in the afternoon and everyone's kind of like you know mate, 10, ten beers deep and, and chasing yeah. money or winning on the punt. But this guy, yeah. he oh, I don't, he would not have social media. Surely not. Surely he doesn't have social media. He oh, would just well. cop a pizzling every <laughs> week when he gets beat on horses. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly case in point, mate. Like, we'll, we'll be on it all day um, and come, mm. come the last race in Perth at 7 o'clock. So, you know, we'll be stumbling home or just going out for dinner and you go, oh, there's one more race for the day. What's going on? Pike, $2 shot. I don't, I can, you know, I can spend four hours a week doing Brisbane form or four seconds doing WA form and go, load, let's go. He's a go-to. He's a go-to, isn't exactly. he? Exactly. Very safe. Very safe yeah. in Western And then it's right? often, all right, I'm shouting dinner or, or babe, you got, uh, you got 50 bucks for me for dinner. So <laughs> Leftovers. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, mate. Mm. Well, mate, this has been fun. I'm uh, hoping cool. you enjoyed having a chat. There's nothing. Yeah, it's been good. There's nothing that I need to ask you that I haven't already. So unless you want to fire a question. Back. Oh, I want to, I want to talk to you about the, yeah. what we quickly said about the Whipple. Yeah. Well, um, I've just been getting a lot of people I've, come. I've, I've got no idea about the Whipple. So, maybe, so, so you, so from, so well, from your point of view, what do you, what do you think is the Whipple right now? So, well, from what I understand, you can whip up to X amount of times was up to the two mm. meters. And then it is, Hell for leather because the impression is that the jockey has to be seen to putting the effort into the horse for the punter. When, I don't know, realistically, you probably know if you're in the finish or not at the 200. So if you're whipping the horse 50,000 times in the last 100 metres, and I guess that's their Mm. argument too, that there's no proof for or against that the whip enhances the chances or Mm. the horse. So... Mm. uh, I think that's my understanding, and I'm guessing you're And that's for me following racing, you know. So I'm probably mm. like the small selection of the general population mm. that thinks that they might know what the rule is, but probably has no idea. Um, so you're kind of close, but it's, like I said to you before, it has changed. Yep. Um, it, it was five hits before the 100. Right. That's what it was. Okay. So now it's five, It's still five whips before the hundred, but now there's a. Uh, I'm actually serving a suspension today, as we speak, but I'm back tomorrow to six days for excessive use of whip. So I never hit the horse more than five times before the hundred, but inside the hundred now they can get you for excessive use of the whip. So hell for leather now is gone. Okay. And you'll see a lot of jockeys and users will be going, "Why? Well, you know, he looked like he was going to win, and then he started pushing hands and heels." It's probably because he's run out of whip use. Yeah. Um, so the rule is five before the hundred and then use at your discretion inside the hundred. No, um, that, that's even and now, so, so yeah, so it's worse. So it's, it's actually a really fine line. Like to be honest, if we were be really honest here, if, if I took them to court, I could get off straight away because there yep. is no number or figure. Yeah. It's just them saying you excessively use the whip inside the hundred. So they've kind of give us a number but without putting it in writing. Yep. The number is 14. So five times before the hundred and then, you know, you're nine times inside the hundred and then anything past that can be classed as excessive. So I hit mine 17 times. So I was excessive and I had to, and, and anything with the excessive whip, we have a template now where 
if you hit it before the 100, they can only fine you. But if you hit it excessive, which is a higher end, they can give you a six-day suspension. So it goes six days, eight days, 10 days, three suspensions in a row. So my next suspension will be eight days. And my next one after that will be 10. Yep. But, yeah, so you'll probably find now. And, and look, don't get me wrong, a lot of jockeys can adapt. And I've always been able to adapt. But because they we've stuck on the five and the health led the last 100 yep. for so long... Now they're expecting us to count from like your five and then your nine. So now we're counting the whole race and pretty much not concentrating on where we should be concentrating. And don't get me wrong, you're right. The races aren't won the last 100 metres. For me, it's 400 to the 200 and 200 to the 100, then it's done. Like yep. if you're not there where you need to be at the right time, unless you're flying home from way back in a fast run race, it's, it's not going to happen. Yep. Um, but for a horse being in front, for me, where I like being the most races, the race is won from the 600, from what I do from the 600 to the 400, from the 400 to the 200. And then I know that if I can go the same speed from the 200 to the winning post, that they can't get me unless they're on fucking wings. Yep. So at the end of the day, a whip's not going to make that much difference. But yeah, they're, they're expecting us to count now, and which has really rubbed the jockeys off really bad. Well, that's what um, it's Because that, that's going to be just so hard to, to actually physically do that in the heat of the moment because you, you yeah so now so now i've told you this you'll actually take note of the horse jockeys inside the hundred and and what they actually do <laughs> yeah so but see i got time on on richard freeman's horse the other day we're going head in head with two other horses for the last 150 meters yep. like of course i'm gonna try and get the best out of my horse to win the race but at the end of the day was on i wasn't counting so i wasn't concentrating red, wasn't it? little is yeah, mushroom. The first, the first time I rode it, not the second time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the second time was a bit of a stitch up. The second time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Won't be named, hey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was going um, head and head with um, Jimmy Byrne. I think it was Luke Dittman. Anyway, um, we're going head and head. Like I said, the last hundred, I just went whack, 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 and obviously went seventeen instead of fourteen. Yeah. And I copped a six-day suspension, and I got beat. So double, double fisted double there. Right. So. But, yeah, so they're expecting it. So it, it, it's one of those things now where I get inside the 100 and I've got to determine whether I'm going to win the race or not. So yep. it's, it's making things hard and taking probably your concentration away when you should be really worried about you, yourself, your riders and your horse. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you, you, a lot of people will find out in the next couple of months. That we, there's been a few people going, why did that jockey did this? Or why did, why, is he, why did he stop doing that? It's because the rules changed. Yep. And at the end of the day, I don't know how long it'll be around for because I think we will, will be wanting to change it. I'd prefer myself and a lot of other jocks prefer to get just a number the whole race. So yep. not five before the hundred. Yeah. Like I said, your race is one from the 400 to the hundred anyway. So I prefer to use my whips then and then push hands and heels the last 75 meters sort of thing. You know what I mean? So um, I dare say it will change again, but probably for our benefit rather than seeing what they're trying to get us to do now sort of thing. But, um, yeah, you, you'll notice it now. You'll notice it now that I've said it to you. And like I said, a lot of people have been uh, messaging me and stuff and asking me about it because they knew there's a new rule but, and they're asking why Jockey's doing kind of weird things. But, um, yeah, if you're in front and stuff like that, you can't, you know, and you look like you're going to win easy. There's no such thing as, you know, that Jockey giving them another two or three hits for no reason. It'll be classed as excessive use of whip for sure. And I guess, uh, you know, I listen to, a, I guess, just a bit of talkback radio. They do radio TV and whatnot uh, mm. up here. It seems, especially with this rip, whip rule, there's no real consultation with the jockeys with that rule as yeah. well. Yeah. Sort of it was, it was, it was created and then kind of pushed onto us. 
Um, yeah. Look, they, they said to us, oh, we told you, and which they did. They, they give us a template and told us, but for them to physically sit us down and having a meeting about it, no, that did not happen. Yeah. It might have happened for three or four jockeys that are in the, the Jockeys Association, but apart from a piece of paper getting handed around and just like do your best, it wasn't really laid out in layman's terms. And like I said to you, if, if you wanted to take one to court right now, like if I my six days is like, fuck that. I'm appealing it. I'll take it to Curic and, and take it to QCAT. And at the end of the day, a lawyer would burn them because there's no official number. It's just an excessive use of whip. So that's like saying, oh, we've um, seen you speedy. You yep. were going excessive speeds, but we couldn't tell you how, how fast you're going or how yep. fast you're allowed to go. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, the rules of interpretation probably need to be changed. But yep. I think with that too, I think the rule will get changed as well. Well, it just seems like a bit of a, a floodgates kind of issue, doesn't it? That you will have mm. someone fight it and then it, it just comes to he said versus she said and well, yeah, forever. So, like I said, a lawyer, a lawyer would have a field day with it, but you know, a six day yep. suspension is nothing. And look, don't get me wrong. We all need to curve our thing. You know, like I think the, the days are going to flogging horses and that sort of thing. And, and don't get me wrong. You still have your, your, your certain jockeys that need to ride certain horses to get certain horses to do certain things. Yeah. Um, I've, proud myself on probably being a stronger rider than some other jockeys but now i'm not saying we're kind of getting pushed out but at the end of the day with the new whip rules and even the new padded whips we have kind of need to have strong riders and i see justin huxable's riding a few winners at the moment uh, the last few months and if you notice him he's a very strong rider and he'll make things do horses do things they don't want to do and and that's sort of the the kind right about here mugs we decided he bloody had to go charge his phone so Lo and behold, we got him back. <laughs> hey, got you back, mate. Got you back, mate. Your phone went dead, fucking thing. Bloody, bloody, we just ran along, didn't we? You changed clothes. I, I don't know, and trust me, I know what it's like to chop up to. I've, I've got a podcast that's fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. If something happens. Mate, you were just rambling on about Huxtable. That, that was probably what blew your, uh, blew your phone up. <laughs> you didn't get a rat. That's, that's uh, unheard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, mate, I'll get you back on track. You were talking just about, um, I guess, being strong as a rider, probably counterbalances yeah. the need of a whip. But I guess even look at, um, I don't know if you know her too, Alex Pattis, she's a she's an apprentice. Mate, she looks like she's yeah. talking about dripping wet. So <laughs> I guess that's the the argument, isn't it? Like, yeah. need the whip, others don't. What do you do? Um, you'll probably find that with someone like her too, she's claiming obviously too, which helps. Yeah. Um, but always on front runners. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're on front runners and you're claiming and you, and you keep the horse balanced and you know, as long as you're keeping their mind on the job, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get them over the line and, and someone like her, she's been riding a lot of winners and she's having a bit of success. So, um, good luck for her. But, um, she, um, she's, that's sort of her style, you know, but then when you get another horse, like a horse that gets back or something like that and, need you know and a lot of horses too they don't they don't like going sometimes now and yep. they get a bit cunning now with these new whips because the whips absolutely do nothing to be honest they just make a bit of a noise so they're kind of being brought up where that's why a lot of them are sort of you don't see many colts around much anymore unless they're really well-bred horses because at the end of the day you can't get a colt to do anything unless they're that unless they're good. um yeah yep. unless they're getting a good flogging so at the end of the day yeah they down certain jockeys to suit certain different horses and, and like I said like some jockeys are, are strong and other jockeys aren't and like I said other jockeys suit certain horses for sure yep is there I guess before we wrap up mate obviously famous Seamus was your group one winner is there a 
a horse that you found that you just you didn't even need to use the whip. It was just that good underneath you that you just had that had that bond, so to speak. Um, probably not in Australia, but I rode a good horse over in um, when I was over having my stint over Mauritius called um, Charleston Hero. Anyway, and that went six races in a row, mate. And he was just he was a machine. Like he could just. Yeah, when you straighten up, you can just feel him get quicker and quicker underneath. He's like driving a Ferrari compared to all the other horses in the races. So, yeah, he was definitely one that, you know, I can imagine what someone like, you know, Huey Bowman would feel sometimes. You just, when they go up the straight and, and some most horses feel like they're just going the same pace down the run and this horse would actually go quicker when they they straighten up and you could feel it. So that feeling is is one feeling you don't forget, that's for sure. Adrenaline rush. Yeah. Well, mate, we might wrap it up there. So, look, once again, no uh, from us two, thanks for giving us your time. Uh, we'll hit this on the airwaves and hopefully, you know, a lot of punters can back in on the weekend as well. So we'll, we'll probably we'll have to have you on our, on our podcast, me and yeah. Ronnie, the podcast out the gate when we get going again. Ronnie's just had a little kid, so yeah, Corona and that's been hard. So hopefully in the next month or two, we'll, we'll get going again. We'll have to have you on. Definitely, mate. Well, the hours of Zoom, you can do it wherever, whenever and everywhere in between. Yeah. Eh? Beautiful, mate. Well, look, thanks again. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be following you into this weekend and beyond. Thanks, bro.